and we're here. It's this week in Marvel. We're talking about alchemy, devilry, sorcery, wizardry, witchcraft, sleight of hand, and so much more. In other words, we're talking magic in the Marvel Universe. Shia Kazam, Shia LaBeouf, Alakadabra. Hello! Marvelites, you're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 436. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I am Lorraine Sink, a magical, magical lady. Yes, you are. Lorraine, what else is new? What's going on? Oh, man. Uh, Well, we just got back from C2E2. We had so much fun. Uh, Next week, I'm going to go on a Disney cruise for the Marvel Day at Sea, which I'm excited about. But uh, what's going on with you? Uh, uh, We've been a lot of traveling the last week. It's been a little crazy. It's been a little fun. A lot of stuff happening. And we have a really fun episode. Yeah, we're talking about the new comic book series, Strange Academy, and the role magic plays in the Marvel Universe, which is a lot because superheroes are magic. Yeah, and uh, we can't do it alone. We are joined by Mr. Scotty Young later in the episode, uh, which is a lot of fun. And if you heard our last episode, he was on that one too. It's all Scotty all the time in March. Yeah, I mean, he's an amazing creator in the Marvel Universe. I I mean, so many people love his art, but I think people are going to really be blown away by Strange Academy. It introduces so many new characters. I'm pumped for it. But now it's time for us to talk about literally every single other thing that's happening in the Marvel Universe. Oh, do you mean things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news? Colin? I've been listening to a lot of death metal lately. <laughs> oh my god, wait, can I tell you that all death metal bands now, to me, sound like face creams? <laughs> oh yes, I just started using Insomnia. My skin has never looked fresher. Oh my gosh. Yes, also, accurate. <laughs> I feel so much fresher for listening to them. But uh, hey, Ryan... Boy, are your arms tired, because you just flew in from PAX East. How was it? It was great. Uh, One, that flight, 45 minutes, so terrific. And I want to give a shout-out to the woman who was working the Delta counter at Midway Airport in Chicago, because she helped me get on an hour earlier flight. (gasps) I was able to get home an hour earlier, hold the baby, see my wife. Everything was so much better. So that was the highlight of PAX? Oh, yeah, right. We also announced a brand new video game, Marvel Future Revolution, uh, which is super cool. It's this partnership between Marvel and NetMarble. And, of course, we know that uh, NetMarble does Marvel Future Mm -hmm. Fight. So Future Revolution is just – I don't want to call it the next iteration. It is just something cool that builds on a lot of – fun stuff that we think about from Marvel and Marvel games. It involves like alternate realities. So there's different stuff converging. Different realities are converging upon each other. So and what? They're like fighting for domination? Kind of. Who, who uh, can I beat up? Everyone? Yeah. Essentially. Great. Uh, so it's, it's, it's neat. You're going to have a bunch of different heroes that you can choose from. We showed off four of them, which is like Captain America, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange. And it's an open world RPG. We haven't gotten too deep into all of the mechanics of it, but think about really cool open world RPGs. We showed off some gameplay. You can see that Captain Marvel doing this cool move where she flies around beating up dudes. And uh, Doctor Strange has great maneuvers. And Spider-Man looks and flips around and beats people up like Spidey. And you? We definitely showed off that, yes, Agent M is in the game. Looks like they scanned me, but they that's just the artist creating that beauty that it, is me. Wow. We just got back from C2E2, and we had an awesome panel. You can listen to it. It's live now. We had on Jenny Frizen, amazing cover artist, as well as Scotty Young talking more about art. He's also going to be on this episode, so he gets a back-to-backer. And then we also had Ryan Stegman talking about Venom, and they also drew Bart Simpson as both Venom and Deadpool. 
So that was Chef's Kiss. Yeah. And we gave those uh, sketches to people in the crowd, which was great. Yeah. Um, also, you should check out the Women of Marvel panel on the Women of Marvel podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Rainbow Rowell was on, Eve Ewing, Gail Simone, and Leah Williams. Uh, they're all fabulous and wonderful. I love watching everybody tweeting about it, being like, the power in this room. So uh, go go listen to it for some good old inspirational stuff in our sister podcast. Aww. Also, I've never met Eve Ewing, but I creep her fully and I'm obsessed with her and I am too nervous to introduce myself whenever she's around so oh great I love you Eve <laughs> if if you're definitely listening to this <laughs> uh Lorraine we also of course had a ton of news that yeah. was revealed we you know we've talked about it. if you listen to last week's episode we announced a new silk book by Maureen Goo and Takashi Miyazawa uh, which is going to be awesome the details were in last week's episode but there's tons more yeah, Ryan, I know you're not excited about this at all. Get out. Ultraman. Come on. Ultraman. Uh, Ryan, who is Ultraman? Uh, so Ultraman is a superhero. Um, there have been so many Ultramen over the time. It's like different versions and different dimensions and different generations. It's, I feel like it's a little too difficult to go into oh right Oh my God, here, Ryan, right you're now. such a nerd <laughs> right like, now. Ryan's just, getting too excited. Uh, it's a lot. is a Japanese superhero. Yeah, he, he's uh, a superhero. It's like a capsule and he gets really big. He has three minutes and he fights monsters and bad guys and he's awesome. And he's got, he's a little marvel-y in, in the sense that like he has weaknesses and he's even though he's a big superhero, there's a humanity to him and there's a secret identity and there's some tragedy and some beautifulness to it all. So we have the new Rise of Ultraman series coming. And it's and very exciting. It's also a little like Toei Eye Spider-Man style. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. The, you know, and it's Ultraman created by uh, E.J. Tsuburaya, who was the special effects guy for the Godzilla films. And he branched out and was like, I'm going to do some other stuff and ended up creating Ultraman, which is become just as big, if not bigger, worldwide than Godzilla. Which is very exciting because we have a new comic book, The Rise of Ultraman, number one, coming to Marvel. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, it's written by Kyle Higgins, who's a buddy of mine who worked on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic for several years. And he's done great work there, along with Matt Groom. And uh, it's going to have art by Francesco Mena. So I'm super, super excited. We posted some images and some details up on the site. Well, I'm super excited for a newly announced X-Men crossover event called Ten of Swords. But, of course, that looks like an X. X of Swords. Do you guys, are you guys getting it? X or all my X's live in swords. Ooh. ooh. Right? Right? If you could, like, hex one of your X's into a sword, would you do it? Uh, no, they had to date me and that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, now that we've cleared that up, <laughs> it's a 15-part crossover series led by Jonathan Hickman, Teeny Howard's getting in the mix, and it's just going to be a huge sprawling saga with a bunch of mutants of Krakoa facing, bump, 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 quote unquote, their biggest challenge yet, which could literally be anything because those guys are cray cray. Yeah. I, these are my favorite kinds of crossovers, the ones where they go from book to book. So like 15 parts means it's going to touch on all the different whatever X titles. We haven't announced those yet. But then you think about what's going on with Krakoa right now and like all the mutants who are have come back from the dead, who are you know now part of this 
larger storyline, you know, you could have so many different characters show up. The the potentials are endless. You get a sword, and you get a sword, and you get a sword. Everybody gets a sword. But there are more than 10 swords in this story. We're waiting to find out what that means. But there are some literal swords, so hold on. Yeah, the, the image that Mark Brooks created for this has more than 10 characters, more than 10 swords. What that all means, how this is going to shake out, we don't know! It's very exciting. Yeah. Oh, also, you got to host the Empire panel. How was it? It was great. Uh, You know, we say Empire because we only have the capacity to say Empire as we do. Right. But there's a proper way to pronounce it. And to do that, we need the help of Empire co-writer Al Ewing. Al, how do we say this? Ah, yes, that's exactly how I pronounce it as well, Al. (laughs) Uh, The Empire panel was really fun. We announced a new Lords of Empire book, Swordsman. That's going to be written by Alex Pacnadel with art by Thomas Nichlik. That's coming this summer. It's got a cover by Rod Reese, which is neat, but like Swordsman's back. It's really weird. That takes me back to like some good 70s Avengers-ness. I mean... If I, one of the things I love about Dan and Al is that they have these deep pulls from Marvel history, and it is wild, the stuff that, that you'll find. So Swordsman, obviously, was very tied to Mantis in the 1970s, was an important character that hooked up with the Avengers, and then died. Yeah. Um, but... A very interesting story. If you guys are familiar with the Celestial Madonna story. We're going to have to get into it on Twim soon. We we will. We'll, we'll bring it all to you. Yes. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was interesting. At the panel, C.B. Sobolski was on the panel for Empire along with Tom Brevoort, who's the executive editor. C.B.'s our editor-in-chief, and Al was on the panel as well. And C.B. was saying how there are certain people at Marvel he looks to as Marvel, essentially, encyclopedias. If you need knowledge, these are the people who have it. CB looks at Tom Brevoort as one of our, you know, main knowledge bases, but he also now looks at the two Empire co-writers, Al Ewing and Dan Slott, also having this amazing fount of knowledge. But you know what? There's more happening in the world than just conventions, if you can believe it. Marvel Future Avengers is now available on Disney+. Plus. There's 26 episodes, and it's a anime series taking place in Japan. And guess what? They set up, bump, 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 Future Avengers. It's about a, a young boy who gets taken under the wing of the Avengers and then has many other Avenger friends. <laughs> can you narrate this show? Can we get Disney Plus to bring Hi, you it's in? me! <laughs> I'm an Avenger boy. Yeah, I think the series has like a, a three or four of the kids are teenagers. They're raised by Hydra to believe that the Avengers are the bad guys. But three of them break out of that and one of them sticks with Hydra. So it's a cool dynamic as some of them break good, some of them break bad and, and how that all shakes out. I've never watched the show, uh, so I'm excited to see it. I love anime and um, it's just one of those shows that didn't really come here. Well, I think that's one of the coolest things about a lot of the animation that's come to Disney Plus is it's just stuff that is hasn't been collected anywhere. So if you're like, oh, I've always wanted to watch this series or this thing, I mean, the treasures. It's just uh, Spider-Woman 1979, just mwah, chef's kiss. And you know what? Marvel Studios' Black Panther is also now streaming on Disney Plus. I love that movie. It's so beautiful. Oh, my God. Did you get, I got like super emotional, you know, the waterfall scene where everybody's like lifting their shoulders up and down. I like started getting weird and weepy during it because I was like, I've never seen this in a movie, like anything like this in a movie. Yeah. Where's it been? Yeah. 
So cool. They did anyway. it. Great job. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, what I, one of the things I love about Disney Plus, they add bonus features. Ooh, so yeah. like behind the scenes, deleted scenes, that kind of stuff. Um, make sure if you're watching them on there, look for that stuff because like even the Star Wars movies have tons of bonus features on them on Disney Plus, which I didn't expect to see. And the Black Panther, of course, introduced during the Silver Age of Marvel Comics, which we look at as the 60s into the tiny little bit of the 70s. And uh, that would have been a really fun time to be a Marvel Comics fan. But you know what? There is a new book from the Folio Society all about Marvel's Silver Age. Uh, And it collects a bunch of awesome restored comics published by Marvel Comics in the 1960s. Um, do you remember they they did one for our 80th, which was so beautiful? Yeah, the Golden Age one that had reprints of like Marvel Comics and a bunch of other uh, cool issues. But uh, this one is going to be another beautiful collection of restored comics that were published in the 1960s. It's curated by Roy Thomas, and it will also have some exclusive art by Paolo Rivera, who has done one of my favorite Spider-Man covers of all time. He's done some of the most amazing everythings of all time. I know. He does pretty. Yeah. Uh, I have a Doctor Doom mask on my desk, which he created his reference for a Doctor Doom cover when he was doing Books of Doom. I didn't know that was from him. That's wild. Yeah. So if you want to smell it, it'll smell like his face. Uh, That might be far. Uh, But maybe you want to smell this Marvel Silver Age book, which is going to be awesome. It's got uh, 15 stories in it. Uh, It's going to be really cool from Avengers, Incredible Hulk, Amazing Fantasy 15, which is the first appearance of Spidey. But great art, reprinted really large and, you know, stuff from Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby. It's a big prestige book. It's like one of those things where you're like, you put it out on the coffee table. You don't let anyone touch it. And you look at it, and then you open it up, and you just spend a whole day with it. You know what? You made a joke about smelling it, but honestly, yes. they do smell yes. good. Like, it's got that good book smell. Yes. Also, facsimiles are really cool. And I don't think people realize because they're actual scans, like really high quality scans, it's basically the closest thing you can get to getting an original yeah. in a lot of ways. Without having to pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Which I don't have available right now. Right. So this is the next best thing. And then you guys can go to their website, foliosociety.com, to learn more, see some pictures, and place your orders. Oh, I know the best way you can buy that. How is that, Lorraine? Well, whether you're eating in or dining out or just buying some cool comic books, you can get rewarded. How? With the Marvel MasterCard. Learn more at marvelmastercard.com slash TWIM. Yeah, of course. You can earn 3% cash back on dining when you use your Marvel MasterCard at all your favorite restaurants. You can earn 1% cash back on all other purchases as well. And then you get your cash back paid as a statement credit. So there's no limit on what you can earn all with zero annual fee. And then Marvelites, you're going to love this one. You're going to get access to 25,000 plus digital comics in the Marvel Universe with a free three-month subscription to Marvel Unlimited. Uh, Of course, when you choose the Marvel MasterCard, you get access to a number of cool card designs, six of them in total, and you can start earning right away. Yeah. Terms and conditions apply. Visit marvelmastercard.com slash TWIM to learn more and apply now. That's marvelmastercard.com slash TWIM. Hey, Ryan, what were the top books from this week's episode of Marvel's Pull List? Oh, you mean our other sister show, Marvel's Pull List, that that's I co-host? Our brother show. Yeah, that's... You bros. It's stinky. <laughs> uh, it's uh, the show about every new comic out every week. We pick a couple favorites, including this week's Spider-Man Noir number one, Strange Academy number one, 
Daredevil number 19, and Doctor Strange Surgeon Supreme number 4. I'm so glad that Strange Academy number 1 was one of your picks for this week. It's also one of my picks for this week because... We're going to talk about Doctor Strange. We're going to talk about the Strange Academy for weird kids. Yeah. Magic is so friggin' weird. I think every couple years somebody is like, we need to put rules on magic. We need to figure out magic. We need to do magic. And I think over the last couple of years, they actually have done that. You know, it goes back to Doctor Strange when Jason Aaron was writing it. He sort of destroyed magic. Right. With uh, his his storyline where all the magic was depleted and then built it back up. They replenished magic in the Marvel Universe. That is actually a big focal point for where we are in Strange Academy. Mm-hmm. Because Strange Academy kind of comes out of that. Absolutely. Um, also, I think that there's some really interesting stuff that we'll talk about later that addresses sort of the cost of magic. But... Uh, Let's talk a little bit about our instructors for the Strange Academy. I think it's a really amazing, I almost called it a rogues gallery, but it's the opposite of a rogues gallery. It's a hero's coliseum, right? (laughs) I think that's it. We have Doctor Strange, obviously, Master of Mystical Arts, Sorcerer Supreme. Spellboy. Spellboy, Magic Daddy. Yep. Uh, There's also going to be the Scarlet Witch. We know her for her hex magic chaos magic some people say probability manipulation cool headgear uh wimple wearer love a good wimple we have dr voodoo who does voodoo uh and i think he's the the headmaster right? he is he's, dr voodoo will be in charge of the school he's he's the the top dog here yeah um there's also the ancient one uh who was dr strange's teacher so they're very lucky to have the ancient one from where in time he was pulled tbd yeah, I, I, one of the, the things maybe we'll talk about a little bit more is I would suggest if you're excited about this, read Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer's Supreme story. Um, mm. It's 12 issues by Robbie Thompson and Javier Rodriguez. And it is one of my all-time favorite series. I think it's like the pinnacle of really cool magic team stuff. And uh, Ancient One shows up there and a bunch of other characters that we see in Strange Academy. Yeah, magic is also going to be on the teaching staff, you know, in her sort of Early iterations, she was the queen of limbo as like a little girl, yeah. but um, she's got her big old soul sword. She gets wild with the magic. How low can you go? Right? When you do limbo? Oh, boy. <laughs> 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 I hate it, but I, I love it. Win. I win. Uh, yeah. Magic with a K at the end. Magic. Um, oh, Nico is going to be on the teaching staff, which is exciting because she just stopped being a teenager pretty much. So this will probably be her real first foray. I mean, she's been a leader, obviously, in the Runaways, but I think it'll be really cool to see her relating to kids that aren't that much younger than her. She's got a magic staff. Ooh, maybe her and Magic can limpo together. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> Nico uses the staff and everybody gets low. The staff of one limbo at a time. <laughs> Oh, boy. Hellstrom will be showing up as well. Uh, Hopefully, he will be wearing a shirt. These are impressionable youths. Nope. He's not. Nope. Can't do it. Low-slung pants, no hair. Mm. No hair, don't care. That's this Hellstrom. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then there's Shaman. Who uh, do you? I don't know as much about Shaman. Do you know more about Shaman? Uh, Shaman is a member of Alpha Flight. He's like kind of like it's very Earth magic. Also like ancestry, but nature. Shaman's awesome. Uh, pretty pretty cool. 
Oh, and there's going to be potentially a dash of Loki. I don't think that they officially in the book say that he is a teacher, but he's also just like lurking. So I guess. I mean, think about it. So well, we're going to get into the students, but one of the students is a frost giant. And Loki like basically walks the frost giant into school on, on her first day and is so cute. And he's just like, I'm the king. I'm here to make sure one of my uh, people is fine. Um, I'm very excited for this. Scotty Young is introducing a but ton of new teenage super people, which I'm I'm just so excited about. I love this cast of characters. He did the hard work of coming up with a ton of new characters. So uh, yeah, it's Scotty and Umberto, because uh, yes. the two of them together really look, feel, character thoughts. I, th- I think the part of why the series works really well is the how simpatico that Scotty and Umberto are in the way they think, the way they create, and and how they're developing the whole series. Absolutely. Our entry point into the series is a new character named Emily Bright. She's a human. She's potentially a necromancer, and she's got maybe some nature magic. But this is what we were talking about earlier that I'm excited about, is it sort of addresses the cost of magic. And if you're like me and you like Dungeons and Dragons, you know that you can have cantrips, which are like little spells that you can just do. Or, Ryan is giving me wide eyes right now, but... There's also like magic that you have to make an exchange. You have to pay back the forces that you're taking from. And if you don't, bad things happen. I want to play d and I've I never really, played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do it. Okay, great. I'm also really excited for her new roommate, Shaylee Moodpedal. What a, what a great name. I love her. She might be like my favorite little standout. I just want to hug her. She's half fairy from Otherworld, which is a pocket dimension off the British Isles. And she's half human from Brooklyn. And she's she's like a little ray of fairy sunshine. So great. It's going to be interesting to see who's the breakout. We have a lot of fun characters. But yeah, it's uh, as we see Shaylee develop, I want to see more of her powers. And, and like that whole fairy side of things. Yeah, we haven't really seen a ton of fairy magic in the Marvel Universe, so I'm really excited to see what that is going to be. Yeah. Uh, we got two Asgardians, the Asgardian bros, uh, Eric and Alvi. Uh, literally, one of them has a man bun. Oh and my I remember God. Scotty talking about how he's like, we have to have man buns on them. This is who they are. Um, also, as you mentioned, Guslag is the frost giant girl that Loki walks into this dimension to study at the Strange Academy. We haven't seen a ton from her yet, but Loki is a frost giant. Everybody forgets. They think, oh, he's Asgardian. He, he's from Asgard. Yes, he is from Asgard, but yes, he's also a frost giant. Frost giants have amazing capability to wield magic, plus they're huge and they can punch you across a room. So watch out. Yeah, there's some great really cute shots in this of Guslog like peering in through windows because she's too big to get into the classrooms. (laughs) They're just like, oh come on. Sweet baby girl. Yeah. Uh, We have Doyle Dormammu who's the son of Dormammu, the ruler of the dark dimension. Doyle kind of looks like big big dad Dormammu with the flaming head and the the fiery aspects Mm -hmm. but isn't, so far as we've seen, a bad guy. He's just just like, hey man, I just want to do my thing, learn some magic, be around some other kids. He's Why just not? like, it's complicated with my birth dad. Yeah. 
Uh, let's go back to the kids again. Yeah. Uh, because we got Zoe Laveau, who in the first issue is very mysterious about who she is, what her history is. She does say she's from New Orleans. Uh, so maybe there's some voodoo magic in there. Maybe there's some connection to, you know, what's going on. Either way, she has a lot of little like talisman type stuff. So we're guessing it's maybe in that cool voodoo Santeria magic area. For sure. Also, another character that I'm madly sweetly in love with is Calvin Morse. He's a human foster kid who he was in the foster system before being recruited to come to the Strange Academy. And he has a magic coat. And that's his deal. We've seen Doctor Strange has done very well with his cloak of levitation. It has lots of personality of its own. It's going to be interesting to see the backstory of the coat, how he came across it, his relationship with it. It already has tons of personality. And I love Calvin. He's so sweet. I know. I want him. Hmm. Uh, we also see Desi, uh, <sighs> a.k.a. Despair. I love her, too. Uh, she's a demon. She's from Limbo. Think, think of that kind of weird dark, scary, demonic magic, but she has a really, like, interesting and sad power. So she is despair. Desi is short for despair, so she knows everyone's secret despair, and she's like, it is my burden to carry. But I love her because she's so sort of, like, strangely empathetic. Let's keep going because we've got more. We've got Toth from the swamps of Weird World. So he's like a little baby man thing. Not boy thing, which is in the pages of Avengers, but kind of like boy thing. Um, Boy thing adjacent? Yeah, it it looks different enough, but really cool. There's a part where he jumps into a pool, like a a swamp, and he's like, thumbs up. This is where I belong. Happy to be here. Uh, We have Herman, who is uh, has got some animal spirit magic, um, but we don't have a, a ton of info. Yeah, we don't know. We're maybe an animal totem. We're, we're going to wait and see. Yeah, Scotty is here to talk about uh, Strange Academy. He is the writer of Strange Academy. He is the artist of three or four variant covers for the first issue and many more. Uh, We're really going to dig into the development of the series, the characters, the New Orleans of it all, and so much more. Scotty, how the hell are you? I am doing good. I'm doing very good. How about you? I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm very excited because we finally get to talk about Strange Academy. Finally. I know. You know, we announced it recently and now it's, the book is in people's hands. Right. But- I think back to the Marvel Comics creative retreats uh-huh. that you go to, you're there, you're pitching ideas, you're talking about stuff, and Strange Academy has been something that is talked about for a number of them for a while. Yeah, almost two years now. Yeah. Um, it was right around the time when CB came back and everything was getting going, and, and I came out to an executive editorial retreat. I did not know I'd be pitching Strange Academy at it. I saw on the agenda, just said, Scotty's Marvel Magic book, and I was like, am I... Am I pitching? Am I pitching today to all the people? And I really thought it was going to be a book that I'd throw out there and be like, oh, that's cute. No. And it was opposite. It just went over really, really well. And then I was like, oh, I I think I better come up with this, like really come up with this book. You know, like So if who who knew about it at that point if you had like, CB no. uh, you know CB and I have been close for almost 20 years and um you know late night we'll text you know just text him one night I was sitting there I can't remember what I was writing that night but I texted him and was like oh my gosh I got this idea and it's we take the different you know we take the different realms of marvel and we grab a kid from each one and that's kind of has a proclivity for magic and we you know we build a magic school and and he was like oh my gosh that sounds really cool 
And that's all I thought it would be. And it was like, oh, maybe sometime in the in the in the world when things line up, maybe this will happen. Um, and yeah, so CB kind of took that text that night and knew I was coming to town, and it was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sabotage him a little bit, and we're gonna go ahead and pitch this to all the big dogs. So it, yeah, it was fun. Luckily, I'm good in a room like that. So yeah. So thinking about the the structure of like the book and your idea. And two years of it essentially gestating and coming together, what changes from your initial idea to what comes out? Well, it just kind of refines itself. You find it. You know, the beginning was just a general concept. Like, you know, it's your classic, you know, this meets this. And so, you know, I've always – I grew up loving Generation X. I mean, the X-Men at, at, at the origin was was kids going to a school. Um, and you know, we, that's been, that kind of got lost over the years as it became so big. And, and then generation X in the nineties was, was such a seminal book for me. You know, I discovered Chris Pacello through that. Who's one of my favorites. And, um, and it, and I just really loved the weirdness of those characters. So that's what you know, the origin that came from me is like, I, I still want to do one of those, you know, kids in school books. Right. Um, so really not a ton has changed other than, it just became more refined over the years or over the, since the beginning. So, you know, really understanding what kind of characters that I wanted to put in there and not just, you know, at first it was real brushstroke stuff like, Oh, I want two Asgardian twins, you know, very man bunny, you know, jerk heads, you know, like they're real cocky or one's really cocky. One's and I had really, at first it was just like Asgardian twins, a fairy, a thing, you know, and you're just kind of, and then for me, the kind of writer that I am, I could think about it for two years, but really those two years were spent me getting things off my plate mm-hmm. so I could really do it. Because yeah. a lot of my work takes place while I'm doing it. Mm. Like I found who was roommates with each other in the script. Like I didn't pre-plan it. I knew that they were going to have roommates. I knew that they were going to stay in the dormitory together. And until I wrote that page and had started to figure out how they talked to each other and then it was like, oh, well, Doyle and Eric are absolutely roommates. They hate each other. They have to be roommates. And then he's going to be mad because he wants a room with his twin brother. But then I was like, no, no, these guys need to learn to split up. And like those things I can't think about, I, at least the way that I work, I, I never think about those things prior to the page because it's, I'm letting the it kind of letting the characters tell me what's happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, things like that. Really, the two years, the thing that changed was I had less work. <laughs> I had less Deadpool to write yeah. and less covers to do and more time to to really start just diving into the scripts for these characters. As you talked about that, it, it makes me... So I recently had a great conversation with Larry Hama. Larry Hama built the world of G.I. Joe. And uh, G.I. Joe is this expansive, multi-layered world. And I think about Strange Academy and how there's all this like cool stuff. Larry says he didn't he doesn't write past the page he's on yeah. ever. And like that way. And I, I thinking about how you're you're essentially building a whole new part yeah. of the Marvel universe here. Right. That's fascinating to it's me. It's really interesting. I do I mean there are a few points that I absolutely have in mind and in and that everybody knows from the brooms and the creative retreats that I, you know, I, there's a few there's very much an ending somewhere out there on um, whether it's here or, you know, where it's at is, is unknown, but there's a few points that I absolutely know I'm going to be hitting. It's just a matter of how we get there and when we get there. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of, I mean, that's the beauty of our weird business, right? Like we, we release 20 page stories a month and it's kind of, that's a real cool challenge is to see like, what have I learned since I wrote this script last? Like, what have my kids taught me? You know, what kind of conversation did me and my wife have or what me and my friends have that I can now has informed a new aspect of this book? Or, you know, what kind of 
what kind of conversation did I see my son having with his friends that it's like, Oh, I didn't think about that. And that's how kids would interact. And, um, it's a living document, yeah. you know, like it, it, we're not novelists, right? We don't sit down and then go in a room and craft something over three years. Like we're constantly updating it. And so for me, kind of improving is a very, very fun part of it. Yeah. Um, to me, it would feel a little false for me to sit down and say, okay, this character is this and feels this and she thinks this. I don't know that yet. I haven't put her in a situation to have a conversation and then think about what the reply would be. And that's kind of the fun of writing for me. I mean, I plot out an issue. I'll have a general idea of the issue page to page, but that's it. Like I don't, and I'll have maybe a bullet points that I want to hit through an arc. But other than that, I really let it kind of be fluid, which can be super scary. <laughs> <laughs> but for this, like I imagine I was like, okay, cool. There's probably like a Bible for this. Right. Like I think of it like almost like a TV show, or like sure. this cool big world, uh, which I want to get into. I think we almost skirted around. You mentioned it a little bit. But what is Strange Academy? What is it about? Strange Academy is a magic school in the Marvel Universe, similar to, I think, the the idea that we've read before with mutants and, and teaching them to understand who they are and what they are. I just started thinking about that in the ways of magic was even more mysterious. You know, it truly is getting a grip on the Earth's energy or the, the mystic arts or items and trinkets and all these things. Magic exists in so many forms and fashions and everybody has a different connection to it and there is no real way to understand it because there's you know am i am i this kind of magician am i a sorcerer i mean even you know in this first issue even emily is writing a letter to dr strange and she's like i don't what my witch yeah sorcerer sorceress sorceress what's what i call myself (laughs) sorcerer you know like it would be very confusing if all of a sudden you can make plants grow i mean you don't know why so i thought it'd be cool you know to put together a situation where also, the Sorcerer Supreme and a lot of the big, big time magic players in Marvel realize that the magic is building and coming to a head. And if they're going to get any kind of grip on maybe some some big bad stuff that's going to come, they're going to have to train up the next round of themselves, um, which hasn't really been done on the magic level. You know, we'll, we'll train the Inhumans or we you know we'll all gather the Inhumans and we'll gather. But within each of these groups, I thought, well, there's magic people. And that doesn't really go along. So it, it just made sense to kind of like put them all in the school together and see what happens. So we've got a lot of cool characters in there learning magic. Yeah. We're going to talk about the book a little bit. Spoilers, right. it's out now. But there's this great scene where Doctor Strange shows up and he's brought some stuff with him. And it's also this like intro test, this way of uh, showing what these characters are and what you describe, like they all come at magic in a different way. Right. And seeing that actually in action is really cool and watching you know like one character like doing the the big summon and yeah crazy darkness and yeah like herman is uh he has um he basically can manifest his magical energy outside of his body with various big energy magic animals but while doing that he is in a trance of some sort so the kids are going to have to learn at some point while he's in that state somebody will probably have to watch him and protect him because he'll be vulnerable because all of him is outside of himself now. You know, weird things like that. Like really working like how these things ebb and flow together and how a team works together in these situations. So yeah, that was fun. And Umberto just, <laughs> she drew the heck out of it. Yeah. It's nuts. So uh, two-ish years ago, you come in with a thought, 
what did you think visually? Because you're also you're you're a full service, you right, know, right. art creator, sure. writer, artist, everything. I'm sure you've had such deep visuals in mind from the start. Sure, and and Umberto is. I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't think. Oh, how great would it be to get him on this book? It will never happen. You know, that's really where my head was. Was like, well, I'm going to create a book that Umberto should draw. And we'll see who we can get, you know, uh, because Umberto's um, Umberto Ramos, you know, yeah. he's he's the guy. Whenever I think of a young character, yeah. Yeah. I think of his impulse and, uh, you know, champions and other stuff. But like that, like yeah. a kid who's just like raring yeah. to go. Umberto is the perfect artist for that. He is so good at youthful characters. And I find that to be such a rarity in our business. It's very difficult to capture youthful energy and a youthful Physique, you know, it's such a fine line to ride without going too young and cutesy or, you know, too old and mature and masculine or too sexy or any of these things, which shouldn't, you know, can't really, I don't want any of those things yeah. in this. So the fact that we got Umberto on there was like, oh, oh, cool. This is going to look exactly how it's always looked in my head <laughs> because he he was who I had in my head. Yeah. I've been a fan of Umberto since I was in high school, right? Yeah. So I am on nerd cloud nine. <laughs> like I, the fact that I like get to, I mean, Umberto and I have been friends for years and years now and, and I love him like a brother, but I still now get to check off a whole different box, which is I'm writing a comic book for somebody who I had a trading card in my wallet of, you know, like I had like a Umberto Ramos art on a trading card in my wallet yeah. in high school. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's pretty great. I really, in the script for the first issue, which I first read, you're just like, okay, here's what I'm thinking, but honestly, you're going to do you. Yeah. That also seems kind of terrifying in a sense as someone who you, you've written and drawn so many comics right. where you're just handing this off to someone with just like faith. Right. Well, I, what I think is one, one of my biggest strengths as a writer, as, as I've been writing now for a good, good number of years, one of the big strengths that I've had is that I have drawn comic books for almost 20 years. What that does is it, it allows me to be able to roll through some, like when I, when I worked with Nick on Deadpool, I was able to just flip Nick Klein. Nick Klein. I was able to go through Nick's previous books and just flip through pages and really understand right away what he does and what he likes to do what he doesn't like to do and then aim at that while I'm writing. And I mean, I, I didn't have to flip through anything out of Roberto's. I've been memorizing, you know, there was a time where I'm pretty sure I was like, I hope nobody knows I'm trying to draw just like him. You know what I mean? So I, I know so well what he, how he approaches a page. And, you know, I was just talking to Nick Lowe, our editor on this uh, last night about the last page of this issue. Yeah. Dr. Strange is like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. Also don't die. Good luck. You know, you some of you guys are going to die, whatever. And in the kids, that last panel where the kids are like, huh? Umberto is the mat. Like, I have written so many panels like that in my career where I end on a reaction shot. And, and everyone, no matter who my artist was, I had Umberto in my head while I wrote it because he's so good at the – like the, oh, my God, doom's coming at me. Yeah. And I don't know what's up cliffhanger you know that facial expression he's so good at that so those kind of things he's been in my head for so long i've just i basically got a, a catalog of what he does so i trust him that's yeah. the thing is i think any writer or artist if you team up with somebody you trust it's not scary because you go you are going to make whatever i've done better so i'm not worried you're going to break it you're only going to build on it and that's always fantastic yeah 
What about the sort of conceptual stage of this in, in terms of, okay, you're building this, you're thinking about this, now you're starting to build new landscapes, new right. worlds, new characters. Right. Did you work on character designs? Did you have Umberto? Did you go back and forth? Like, what was that process like? The, on the character front, I stuck mostly to descriptions. Once I sat down and thought about, first I had to think about the realms that I wanted to make sure that we represented to make this feel like a Marvel book. Um, we're going to create a lot of new characters, but I was uh, very careful to try to figure out how to connect those to things that we we felt familiar with. So, like I said, I wanted Asgardians. Um, I wanted, you know, Desi is from Limbo. So I wanted, you know, kind of a demon character. Voodoo's in there. So I wanted some connection to his lineage. So Zoe is very much, you know, the great, great granddaughter of Voodoo's mentor. So there's some tie there. And there's some tie to New Orleans where we set it, which I'll talk about in a minute. You know, so really it was just a matter of thinking about where I wanted where where I thought we should pull everybody from and then really just going what I thought they should look like but very just like okay I see this character as this or you know Desi because of because she holds a lot of she's a demon from hell who sees everybody's despair and she sees through everybody and so that's a lot of things to carry and so I wanted her I wanted her physique to to reflect that like she's you know she's a little bigger I wanted to represent a lot of body types, but I just wanted her, I wanted her to feel heavy because she's carrying w- the weight of everybody. So we would talk a little bit about that. We'd talk a little bit about just a little bit, but then Umberto would just go off and I never touched a pencil. Like uh, I think Desi was the only character every now and then I'd, I'd send a few notes on, but other than that, he just nailed everything. I mean, <laughs> one of the first drawings he did, in fact, like as we would go on for designs, I would say like, I'm not sure why, like you already did it. Like you just, the first drawing was the drawing, right? So we did that. And then, then the location, we kind of sat around and, you know, we threw out, you remember, we threw out things like, should it be a hidden place in Central Park? Or I, I think we, we talked about the, uh, you guys talked about the, um, the cloisters, mm-hmm. uh, like area up in Northern Manhattan, right. there Central Park. There was right. like all kinds of cool spots. All kind of cool spots. And ultimately we kind of decided, man, everything's always in New York. Everything's always in New York. And and then it just made sense that this is a magic book and we should go to where there's some history with kind of m- mystic arts and kind of dark magics and things like that. And it just kind of popped up like New Orleans. Like that's that would be a pretty, pretty fun place to go. So we I suggested that we all get together and go to New Orleans. Yeah, so uh, Umberto, myself, Nick Lowe, Kathleen, and Danny, um, Nick, Danny, and Kathleen being our editing team, we all hopped on planes and went to New Orleans for a weekend. And my wife came along and, and photographed it and so gave Umberto tons of fantastic reference. Uh, we really, you know, we went through the voodoo museums and these old – and just felt being there – at first it sounded silly and we were like, oh, cool, we're doing a – we're doing a research trip. and. It, but it ended up actually being so informative. We took a swamp tour. We went on a boat. We, we were in the bayou, like deep in the bayou, and it was creepy. And there's trees, that, like literally there's a monster tree out there that looks like a monster's mouth and like all these things. And I mean, we're taking notes like, well, that's in the story. That's in the story. This courtyard's in the story. And going there started to inform some character traits for a few characters that you'll find out down the line. And that I wouldn't have thought about had I not been there in New Orleans going through some of these places and touching this stuff and sitting there with with the creative team and all of us kind of feeling it together and listening to the music and feeling just the texture of that place. 
uh, it's finding its way into this book in a huge way, and it's really cool to see. Yeah, I, I love New Orleans. Been there a bunch of times. My wife is from Baton Rouge, so oh, cool. we, we always fly into New Orleans, stay there. She went to school there, so like we spend a lot of time. Oh, there. fantastic! It's a wonderful city. You, you mentioned the characters a little bit. We've talked a lot in the room. You guys have talked a lot about Emily, mm-hmm. Emily Bright, the a, a character who we open the book with. Right. Do you look at her as our like POV or main character, or how is she situated? Because as I hear you talk about, especially you talk about Desi, you start talking right. about different characters. Right. Like, has have you latched on to specific characters in different ways? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely Emily is Emily is all of us, right? She's definitely, I think the filter that we'll all kind of see the world through, you know, I'm from the Midwest. She's from the Midwest, you know, very much middle of the country. So, you know, good story is always going to have one, that one character that we all want to see ourselves in the place of and kind of look around. I like writing her because she is learning everything. Like she is seeing a new world. Like she's seeing a world that she's only seen on television when, you know, the Avengers saved the day or, you know, when Spider-Man did something and it was on the news or something like she's only experienced this stuff through that. Um, so now she's seeing it for, you know, she's walking around a campus with, you know, mindless ones, raking leaves and things, you know, it's like, what is going on? So glad you brought mindful one in. Right. I, lo- I love that story so much where, you know, mindful one was introduced yeah. in Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme. And I was like, oh, good. He exists again. Well, I love that was a that was a Nick. That was definitely a Nick suggestion because I knew that I needed like a den father, you know, like a dorm father. That I wanted somebody there to, you know, help help just be their kind of mentor at, at the actual dorm, dormitory. And at first I just made a person up. But again, I was like, we need a, I need a few more Marvel. You know, my, my first instincts always just make things up. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a Marvel book. And I really want to make sure that we are marveling it up. So, yeah, Nick was like, I was like, I just basically said, can you give me a list of really weird characters that would fit this spot? And he brought him up. And I was like, gosh, that's fantastic. And then... Jason Aaron is the one who was like, you should maybe have like mindless ones like scattered around. I was like, oh, even better. So yeah. that's why I love these rooms, these these creative retreats, because we all throw our stuff out there and then we all just make each other's books even better yeah. by throwing out little little uh, bait there. Yeah. Oh, the other characters, Desi, mm-hmm. Doyle. Like, Doyle. Doyle, for some reason, like always his name and your, your descriptions of him in the room has always gotten stuck in my head. So to finally see all this come together has been so much fun. Oh my gosh. Talk about for me as well. Like Doyle Dermam has been, you know, I've been repeating that name. since it was one of the first names outside of Emily's name I came up with. And he's so cool. Like, I love that he's an unknown to everybody. I love that everybody is assuming what he is going to be. And he very well could end up being that. I mean, his dad is the Lord of the dark realms, right? Like he is, he is a scary, potentially scary person um, or whatever he is, you know? <laughs> um, but I really like writing that because I like, I like the idea of, of Doyle trying to define that. But man, if, when I started getting emails, I mean, when Umberto drew him for the first time, I was like, this is amazing. But to watch it happening on page, oh, it's great. And then the follow-up issues, it's just all of them, the issues two and three just keep, the characters just keep melding together more and more. And Emily, it's so fun to write these characters. I could have no plot. Like I could just literally throw them all in a room and have them talk. I'd have a blast. Yeah. I mean, that's the fun of what they all bring because of those different realms, right. the different perspectives, you know, going back to the Emily side of things, she is this fresh face, but like they all have such connection to magic mm-hmm. and bring a completely different splash of color and perspective and, right. and knowledge 
to this. And then you add in the staff. Talk a little bit about the staff at the school. Well, the staff is, I mean, clearly that's where we're really getting the, you know, getting our Marvel on, right? So we got Voodoo who's running this place. He's like our headmaster, which I just love Dr. Voodoo. I just think he's so cool. Um, I think Umberto has designed what I hope becomes the definitive look for that character. He's just regal in his j- jacket. And Zelma, I think Zelma's kind of his number two in the librarian. And I love that character. I just think she is so fantastic. I like that she seems meek a little bit from the outset, just kind of, you know, sweatery and a hat and her, but is like a real badass. Like, yeah. I think she is awesome. The um, coolest librarian in Marvel right ab- now, maybe? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so those, those two, they got the ancient one. And then we have a rotating cast. Uh, that's really what I wanted to make sure was this is not, this is going to be more like an art school. You know, like in like in Chicago, there's Columbia School of Arts downtown. And it was really kind of like, well, if you're going to do this, then you're going to get some people coming through this that teach that are out there working. Um, it's not going to be people that used to make films and now they just teach. It's you're going to have magic. Like she might have just got done with a battle and now she's going to come teach you about hell, you know. <laughs> um, and then she might have to cut out a class quick because she might have to go back and deal with some stuff on Krakoa or any of these things, right? So we have magic. Scarlet Witch is going to come through. We've got some um, really cool plans for some of the other characters. Um, I think that that's a great way to to end this. Like what can you tease about what's coming ahead for Strange Academy? Um, we are – you're going to definitely start – learning some darker sides of a few of the kids, maybe some darker things about Dr. Strange and what some things that he knows that people don't know. Um, a couple of the kids are going to find something out that, that is going to definitely have them all uh, not really happy with, with uh, the teachers and the staff and the adults in their life. So there's just some, it's going to be a big fun ride of kids getting to know each other, getting to know themselves and all the sorcerers being like, Oh my gosh, did we do the right thing here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it's, it's also a great book. It's going to fit into something that we really need is a book that is great to hand to a kid, but is also like the parents going to be like, all right, I want to, I have to read it. It's a really big goal here is, is to write that book. And here's the thing is that's not our mandate. It's nobody set that out, but that's the kind of things I like. Like I have kids and I love reading and I love being able to read the same stuff my kids read. So it's, that is fun. Like when you can share that, we need more really fun material that is easily shared between, you know, parents and kids and older sisters and younger brothers and all, all the kind of relationships out there. Um, and yeah, just hit that, hit that whole demographic. Awesome. Cool. Uh, if you guys haven't gotten your hands on it, get Strange Academy number one right now. Yes. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, bud. Big thanks again to Scotty Young for joining us two weeks in a row on Twim. Yeah, he's a real Twim hero. Yeah, he's a Twimomaniac to the max. Uh, but we have to start moving on to our community section. First things first, we have a question of the week. What is your favorite cable story? Tell us, uh, is it the introduction into the pages of New Mutants? Is it one of his solo adventures? Is it him and Hope just traveling together? Or is it him and Strife battling it out for their daddy's love? You tell me. Yeah, all that stuff. Uh, is it a, like the Strife overall battle for you? I think for me now it's it's the Hope like him with little baby Hope strapped to his chest going through time trying to avoid Bishop. Can I blow your mind right now? Hit me. Uh, 
Do we even know that cable is cable and strife is strife? Because they mixed that crap out of those babies. They like swapped them back and forth. And like, how can we even be sure? Because they're essentially the same thing. So really, I have this theory that strife has always been cable and cable has always been strife. Freaking fight me, find me on the internet. Yeah, I love it. Boom. Yeah. Or you could tweet us your answers with the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. Or you could send a message to us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's see what we got here in the old mailbag. We got an email from Samuel Davidson who says, Greetings, TWIM. I have some younger brothers who I think would enjoy reading Marvel comics. However, some comics are too complicated, and I feel like I would be throwing them in the deep end. Do you know any comics that would be good for younger children? And Samuel continues. He says, My answer to the previous question of the week and the question of the week was, what is your favorite magical Marvel character? He says, Quentin Quire. He counts, right? I mean, he does have that magical lens that Doctor Strange gave him. Yeah. Um, as far as books for younger folk, I always say Squirrel Girl. I think Champions is a delight. There are also some younger books. So um, currently we have a partnership with IDW to publish a bunch of series that are kind of perfect for kids called Marvel Action. Those are really good. I love the Captain Marvel one. My friend Sam Maggs writes it. Yeah, and those books are starting to hit Marvel Unlimited. So if you uh, and your brothers are subscribed to Marvel Unlimited, you can read them in there. There's a whole tons of books under the Marvel Age and Marvel Adventures lines where you can get lots and lots of collections. They, they're a little bit smaller, so they're perfect for smaller hands to hold. Uh, depending on how old they are, there's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Oh, yeah. My request would be check out some of those. Tell us what your brothers think. Tell us what you think. Come back to us and let us know. And then we can find some more recommendations for all y'all based on those. Yeah. At Chango ATX says, my favorite magical teen is Wiccan. He is born of magic. So to me, he is the most magical teen. Come on. He's in line to become the Demigurge. Uh, the Tech Lord at Lex Pendragon says, Majel asks if you are going to be making any more Tsum Tsum comics. I told her I'd ask for you. This is precious. Tsum Tsums are the, those cutie little round boys and girls. Uh, I'm sorry, Majel. I don't know that we will. It's never say never, but I don't have any info on anything upcoming. But there's lots of stuff that exists already. Yeah. Uh, we have one more in here. This is from our pal Megan McCabe at Ms. Megan McCabe. She says, sometimes you just need a day to relax and read. Hashtag cats reading comics. Hashtag cats of Twitter. Hashtag Marvel Comics cats. And it is a picture of Megan's cat wearing a little cute Avengers shirt and reading some comics. And it just is. That's not Mickey's cat. It's me, British Kitty in the City. Oh, British Kitty in the City. Oh, yeah. I just came down from an island named. Britain. <laughs> oh, British Kitty in the City. I love to read. Aww. Everybody should be reading. Meow, meow. I'm out. <laughs> uh, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up this episode, which has been produced by Zachary Goldberg, Percy Verland, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Special thanks to the Books of Vashanti, because when you need a spell, you go to the Books of Vashanti. Vashanti, you stay. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe.